0: Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. It's my new online show. It'll be one hour, once a week, and I'll be covering hidden history, conspiracies, true crime, occult Hollywood, and a wide variety of other topics. The first three weeks, I'll be covering my books. Last week, I covered Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. This week, I'll be covering Abomination, Devil Worship, and Deception, in the West Memphis Three Murders. And next week, I'll be covering Children of the Beast, Aleister Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. The book Abomination originated after I saw a video involving Aleister Crowley and the West Memphis Three murder case. It involved Damien Eccles being questioned by the prosecutor in the case about his interest in Aleister Crowley. And I had not remembered that Aleister Crowley was involved in the case. I had written Prophet of Evil that was essentially a biography of Aleister Crowley. And I remember seeing the original video about the case or the original documentary by Berlinger and Stanofsky. Uh, in 1996 and I hadn't really thought much about the case until 2011 when I'd heard that the West Memphis Three got out of jail. For those of you who haven't heard about the case, on May 5th, 1993 in the evening, three second graders, Stevie Branch, Christopher Breyers, and James Michael Moore went out for a bike ride into an area known as the Robin Hood Hills, which is a small wooded area kind of north of their houses. They took their bikes and went for a ride they were never seen again. The next day their bodies were found in a ditch Uh, they had been hogtied in a strange way their wrists and ankles had been tied and uh, they were found totally naked and one of the children had his genitals removed so it was a very graphic gruesome crime so back in 2011 when I heard that they were released I assumed that there was something wrong with the case and just kind of went along with my business I didn't really research anything But the involvement of Crowley in the case really made me want to go back through and look at all of the facts in the case. Luckily, I had heard that all of the case information was stored in one site. It was Callahan's 8K. It's still there. And it really gave me the opportunity to look at everything in detail. And I'd heard that there's quite some consternation between people who thought that the West Memphis Three were innocent and a small group of people who still believe that they were properly found guilty. And it kind of made me want to decide which side was right. I wanted to know whether they were innocent or properly guilty. So I went through and read all the case files. They, I didn't think they were properly organized. I don't think they're still organized well. But I still read through a lot of the files and looked at other websites. I'd come across a few at that time when I really was researching and basically four years ago. And one was West Memphis Three Truth. And I think I came across another one called Blink on Crime. I really read everything and asked myself very simple questions. Who said what, when did they say them, and under what conditions? I understood that time had passed since 1993, but I really wanted to go back and timeline everything. And I had seen all of the other uh, books and information that there were out there, and I didn't see a proper timeline of what happened when, and who made statements, and who gave testimony. So that was really an important element of my book and how I laid everything out. Um, I'd made a detailed reference. I kind of went into the occult as well. I wanted to see where the occult uh, was brought up in the case. And I, after detailed research, I saw that Eccles had stated he was a Wiccan, that he was a, name, a member of a named covenant group. He wrote in his um, some documents that he wanted to meet the founder of the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey. And uh, like I said early in how I got interested in the case is that he. Uh, wrote and drafted a note that referenced Alistair Crowley and was brought up at trial. He also said he familiarized himself with the works of H.P. Blavatsky and her book Isis Unveiled. And Buckland's complete book of witchcraft, written by a Gerald Gardner disciple, Raymond Buckland, was a resource for Eccles. He had actually asked for the book while he was in jail. Um, So this was very important for me, uh, putting together all the information in the book. And also in the book, I just wanted to reference satanic crimes, people motivated by the occult. It seemed to be at that time that people never really thought that the occult could motivate people in crime. So it was an important element in my book to reference other criminal cases, such as the vampire killers of Kentucky and other people who were interested in the occult. Um, I had known that you know, one of the common denominators for people who supported the West Memphis Three is that they had watched the Paradise Lost documentaries. Uh, that they had just seen stuff on TV. And the Paradise document, Paradise Lost Documentaries was a trilogy. There were three of them. The first one was in 1996, I believe the second in 1999. The third was sometime later, but each one had a kind of a differing approach. The first one seemed to be relatively objective, but it really didn't come out in conclusions. The second one for sure kind of pushed uh, one of the stepfathers, John Mark Byers, in front of the bus and blamed him for the murders. Um, there was evidence of our talk about bites that were on there was this uh the fact that Byers had his teeth pulled was kind of a suspicious element and kind of laid the blame there's actually a scene in the second one where both Jason Baldwin and Damien Echols are 100% convinced that it's John Mark Byers and it's interesting that they said that because in the third one there was a new suspect who is uh Terry Hobbs and they make him look suspicious there's all kinds of testimony that he was a uh, guilty party. And uh, that's kind of interesting that they would switch, that the defense, the people who are found guilty of the crime, would switch potential suspects uh, from buyers to hops. Should tell you a lot. Actually, should tell you everything, but um, I'll continue on kind of showing down the facts of the case. There was also another documentary that came out that was uh, involved, I think it was produced by Eccles and Peter Jackson of the uh, Hobbit trilogy and the uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, trilogy, and uh, it's a very interesting documentary. If you want to see how uh, biased a supposed objective documentary could be, I would suggest you watch watch West of Memphis. But, uh, you know, I I tried to show that, uh, oh, and there was another movie that came out, and it was called uh, Devil's Knot. It starred Reese Witherspoon and Colin Firth, and that came out, I believe, two years ago. And that was kind of another interesting uh, Hollywoodized film that couldn't come to any conclusion. That really focused on the uh, PI who was involved in the case. He was really kind of a tertiary character. He, his name was Ronald Lax, and they, they they just omitted so much information from that that film. That it's just another kind of disgusting distortion of the actual facts of the case. The real facts of the case are really what's in court and what people gave testimony of, and. Uh, you know the fact that there are no alib- the alibis fell apart for all three people: Miss Kelly, uh, Eccles, and Baldwin, who didn't even put forward an alibi. He couldn't even have an alibi. And then, of course, there's the post-conviction confessions that are recorded. They're all recorded on tape, and you can hear actually uh, Don Stidham, who is Miss Kelly's attorney, beg Miss Kelly not to say anything. And he says, "I want Miss Kelly says I want something done about it." And he goes ahead and, and makes a confession. So. um you know, I really tried to be uh just look at the facts as what put together and not try to have like a Hollywoodized view of anything. So uh like I stated earlier, these these children were at the Robin Hood uh Hills. And there's there's t- actually tons of articles that were written about the case by a guy by the name of Peresquia. I can't even pronounce his name, it's Peresquia. And it's all kind of uh very detailed uh these, these things and how they talk about the Satanism these guys were involved with. Uh the sacrifice of cats or dogs, burning fires, drinking blood, taking drugs, things like that, that uh, took place at a place that was kind of outside of the area. They used to call Stonehenge. It was an abandoned cotton gin. And um, so, uh, you know, and there was tons of things that happened the night of the crime. It was May 5th. They were found May 6th. And the parents were around. Byers was the father. The stepfather was around Byers and Hobbs. Both helping to look the kids. Nobody ever thought of any anything suspicious about them the night of the crime, and that's very important because how the stories change over time, and ten years get involved, and money is raised. Somewhere between ten and twenty million dollars is raised um, in time to help with uh, fees. And there was actually a billboard that was put up outside of West of West Memphis that offered. Huge monetary rewards for anybody who had information about West Memphis about the west uh, West Memphis Three crimes and actually brought up a lot of interesting people with testimony double hearsay and strange claims that uh, were proffered in the public but never brought into trial never brought into court, which is very telling so uh, there was a time in between the the murders that happened they, when the investigation began. You know, like I said earlier, there were suspicious things that happened. There was a guy in Bojang- Bojangles who uh, showed up the same night of the crime. He locked himself in the bathroom, and he was covered with mud and blood. And uh, the actual blood was scraped off and put into a an evidentiary jar, which was lost, which is, you know, one of the stranger elements of the, the case. But uh, this Bo- Bojangle guy covered in mud and blood, who occupied the woman's bathroom for an hour, is this kind of weird element of the case where did he come from and uh, <clears throat> you know it's uh, it just there was other things uh, people were calling into the police leaving tips um, there were hundreds of tips that came to the police officers there were uh, a fund put together of $7,000 for people who knew what was happening um, and the specific details of the sexual mutilation was not known to the public and that's really an important point. Um, there were talks of what happened in the ro- uh, Robin Hood Hills. There was actually a set of apartments that was fairly close to uh, where the murders took place called Mayfair Apartments. And people had seen kids with black hanging out there. Um, it's about 200 yards away from the thing. There was there were talk about devil worship. Um, they spoke of drug addicts who practiced voodoo, mutilation, everything evil that don't get much sun. They had seen a hexagram putting on a a tree. And there was a sign there that said, leave now or you won't get out. Uh, So that's very interesting. You find out later that Damien Eccles had lived in the Mayfair apartments about a year earlier. So very close to the crime scene. Um, There were uh, talk. The police really kind of were looking around. And you can look through the case files, which I included in my book, where they they went through kind of the local ex-cons and people who had been convicted of all kinds of different crimes involving children or other things, and, and removed them as potential suspects. They investigated all these things. It's uh, two pages in my book where I include that because it really counters the opinion that the police just singled out Damien Eccles because he wore black, which is really silly. When you look at the actual facts of the case, that whole statement is an absurdity. It's It's... I'm surprised that it's a, the only people who bandy that about are people who haven't read the case files. So um, it's very important that very early people had singled out um, Damien Eccles as kind of a strange person who might be capable of the uh, crime. And this was, uh, you know, and on May 9th, there's actually in the complete the police files, two detectives Griff, Griffin and Sudbury drove to Lakeshore Trailer Park and interviewed Damien Eccles. So this is uh, about four days after the events. Um, there was information they knew that Damien Eccles had been in a mental hospital, a hospital with a diagnosis of manic depression and schizophrenia. And he was diagnosed M-ipramine. So he had been on uh, antipsychotic medications, I believe. Griffin noted that Damien had a pentagram tattooed on, into his chest. Um, so right there at the time in 1993, you see this uh, the, the detective seeing that a pentagram it's one of the facts that's left out of the case that I think is vitally important. And it shows the interest and depth in the occult of Damien Eccles. And it's really important post, uh, post-release because Damien Eccles went on a tattoo tear. When he got out of jail, he barely had any tattoos, if any at all. And now he's covering his body in tattoos. He's uh, got a huge uh, black sun tattoo on his back. And he's turning his whole skin or his whole body into... Uh, magical experiment. And so it's really uh, an important part, but when the two detectives talked to Eccles on May 9th, he said quite a bit that is recorded. He said that the murders might be involved in a thrill kill, that he was part of a group called the Covenant of Divine Light, and there's actually a polaroid picture of Eccles that uh, they took. And the the record the record of the detectives is right in my book from May 9th. So uh, there were other information coming in. The, Sheila Stewart said that there were devil worshippers. She said that her husband found dead, sacrificed to animals in Robin Hood around that time. She could smell smoke and hear chanting and strange music coming from the area. She also said two black males came out of the area one night wearing some type of green wrap with a hood. So they decided to bring Damien Nick. the police decided to bring Damien Nichols into uh, the police station for questioning. This is May night. So they had been out to talk to him. They brought him in. They saw that he had tattoos there, one on his, he had Dominique on his right arm, who was his girlfriend at the time, and the t- letters EVIL on the knuckles of his left hand. So he had that, and so did Jason Baldwin at the time. So back then, both of them had EVIL put on there. Um, they, uh, he noted, the police noted that the tattoos were self-administered, and that they were faded, and he, they also said Echoes wore a necklace with a pentagram pendant. So, uh, he told police that he was home at the time of the murders, and when asked about his cult activities, Eccles confirmed he was part of a group that included local residents Murray J. Ferris and Bob Loomis. And one of the detective wrote in his notes, he stated that his belief there was a goddess and not a god. He stated everyone in the group works toward a divine light, and they, upon reaching that stage, stage, they become like gods themselves. He has been been a member of this group for about five years. So that puts uh, Eccles' involvement in this occult group for Five years, he was 18, so that means he started when he was 13 or 14. Damien told police he confirmed he liked to read books. One of his favorite writers was Church of Satan founder Anton LaVey, author of the Satanic Bible. Um, Damien told police he figured that the killer knew the kids went into the woods and even asked them to come out to the woods. He stated the boys were not big, not smart, and they would have been easy to control. He also felt the killer would not have been worried about the screaming doing due to being in the woods and close to the expressway. He further stated that the killer probably wanted to hear the screaming. Very strange statement uh, by somebody who uh, talked about the case. He seemed to know quite a bit about it uh, right there, right after the murders. Um, the police asked him who did the crime. Damien Nichols responded with one word, Satanists. This is all in the police, ra- police records. I'm not making any of this stuff up. So uh, it's, it's just amazing that none of the supporters will ever talk about these very damning statements that Damien Nichols made right after there. So, he also told police at the time that he had urinated the mouth of the three boys. And this was unknown to the police at the time of the interview, but would be confirmed by the medical examiner after the completion of the autopsies. So, he also talked about the penis as a symbol of power in Wicca, and the number of three was numerologically significant. Uh, he also told police that the person who committed the crime probably felt good about the murders. and It felt good, and they had power to do what they had done. Damien said that the more innocent the victim would be, the more power the perpetrator would have received from the sacrifice. So he told people about this, the police about sacrifice and power. And this is kind of fits right in with the Alistair Crowley statement about eight year old kids in uh, his book, Magic and Theory and Practice, that these young kids have the most power, and that's the most power that would be released. Um, he told police that the book of Revelations was his favorite book of the Bible, as the devil was handing out all the punishment. And, uh, he was, he, uh, suggested that his, uh, cousin or his girlfriend's cousin, L.G. Hollingsworth was involved in the murders, which is interesting because he was at, the, he was at the police station at the time being interviewed. And so all these notes are here and you can kind of go through my book and kind of read about all the notes. I think it's very interesting and in telling all this, they're voluminous notes. The police left all this stuff and all this information and, uh. It's very detailed, he talks about, this is all the stuff that David, you know, uh, all this information. So what they did right away was give Eccles a polygraph report. And the polygraph report is May 10th, all the information in there. Um, he asked he asked the following ten questions. Uh, the third question, were you, at any time Wednesday or Wednesday night, were you in Robin Hood Hills? Eccles' response, no. Were you present when these boys were killed? Question five, no. Did you kill any of these boys? No. That's question seven. Question nine. Do you know who killed these three boys? No. Question ten. Do you suspect anyone of having killed those three boys? No. The polygraph examiner said that the subject, Damien Knuckles, recorded significant responses indicative of deception when he answered the above-listed relevant questions in the manner noted. So, and this is all from the court cases, too. I have all, all of my, I have about 300 footnotes. The book is roughly 450 pages long with tons of information. So, uh, The 300 footnotes pretty much going on. And the conclusion of the polygraph guy, the polygraph administrator, polygraph examiner is, conclusion, deception indicated. And thus the title of the book, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders." So, uh, in a post-test interview, the subject denied any involvement in this crime. After approximately 45 minutes, I asked the subject, Amy Knuckles, what was he afraid of? He replied, the electric chair. He then said he liked the hospital in Little Rock. He said that, that he had been treated there for manic depression. After a short period of time, the subject ceased to deny his involvement. Admission through absence of vial. He then said, I will tell you all about it if you will let me talk to my mother. So Eccles is just about to confess May 10th. Um, Detective Ridge brought his mother into the office to talk to him. After talking to his mother, he again denied being involved in the murders. After approximately 20 minutes, I asked, You're never going to tell anybody about this, but you're doctor, are you? To Which Eccles replied, "No." Um, so there are additional statements by police. Uh, one is by a guy by the, and these are all included in here. It's all from police transcripts. I'm not making any of the stuff up. Um, this guy is Douglas uh, Latrell, who says that he was at a at a Baptist church, and that his uh, the. That day, also, Narlene Hollingsworth came into the station May 10th. She and her family witnessed Damien walking near the scene of the crime on a service or access road. Um, So she told police that she saw this. Uh, She says her whole family on them. You said at one time they were muddy all over, says the police. Narlene Hollingsworth. They did have dirt on them. Yes, they did. Which way were they walking? They were coming back to Lakeshore. Um... I got a good look at them. That's Dominic and Damien. So she, Dominic, she's either it's either Dominic or Damien. Um, so these people are known to you. Yes, ma'am. These people are known to you, Dominic and Damien. Yes, I see them all the time. How long have you known them? Well, I really don't know them because I don't go around for all the things, but I know my children around him and Dominic. I've known her all her life. I used to hold her on my hip when she was six months old. So I'd assume she can see and understand who Dominic is if she knew her when she was a baby. So, That's a whole family who saw um, Domini and Damien at the scene of the crime, the night of the murders, muddy. Uh, So she also saw some people at the laundromat washing clothes, L.G. Hollingsworth and some other people, which is very suspicious, the night of the murders. And the time that they saw them was sometime around 8 or 9 o'clock. So it's right at around the time of the murders on May 5th. So, all of her testimonies in there. Other people came in the same day, May 11th. Frankie Knight says Damien Eccles could have done the murders and that he was crazy and into black magic. Uh, so, the, the police also went out and contacted Damien Eccles' girlfriend at the time. Her name is Deanna Holcomb. And she told people that she met with Damien Eccles and Baldwin at Stonehenge, like I talked about earlier, the abandoned cotton gym. Uh, Deanna confirmed that she and Damien discussed the murder of their firstborn child. She also informed Detective Ridge that people in the occult tell inquirers that the form of magic they are involved in is white, knowing that what they do is black magic. She said Damien would repeat this response. She claimed she was a black witch and that it all started off as a game for the power and stuff. She added that Damien was a skilled manipulator of people. According to Deanna, the group would frequent the woods to take drugs. She said in the month of May and full moon phases were important to the coven, which is con- consistent with the practice of witchcraft and the time of the murders, which is May 5th. New members of, would be she's recounting what they would do. New members would be stripped skyclad for the witching hours between 10 PM and 1, 1 a.m. Damien said she liked to play Damien, she said, liked to play play in the sewers, considering them his special place, and would enter them through a local manhole. He told her a year before that he had never killed anyone, but he wanted to know what it would feel like. She let police know that Eccles used to own a knife with a defined serrated ridge and carried it in his trench coat. Um, She was given a polygraph polygraph test as well. And the polygraph test indicated that um, she thought Damien Eccles was involved in the murders. So then they brought in Damien Eccles' mother. And this is May 12th. So the police were really doing their homework. They were really trying to track people down um clearly uh damien echols was a person of interest so she confirmed the mother confirmed that her son's uh interest in witchcraft was real and uh she tried to seem it seems to to provide kind of an alibi uh what they tried to it was it was pretty clear that she was trying to cover for some if you read through the court transcripts it sure seems like she was trying to come up with something um and then she talks kind of about his, the animal scones, uh the animal skulls. The detective says, I understand from other people that he may have animal skulls or something symbolic like that. And the mom says, this animal skulls he had when I lived at Lakeshore was just a skull that had been found laying on the side of the road. It had been there for I don't know how long he picked it up. Uh, she also talks about Wicca. And so the police are really asking her what, how would they, he would describe, describe the son. Um, so, you know, all those information in there. And then they ask, she asked about uh, his girlfriend and she, the detective says, you know, did your son ever make mention about her wanting to have a t- child? They were in hope she get pregnant because the girl's mother forbid, forbidden Damien to see her. And they thought if she got pregnant, she couldn't keep him away. Um, so there was definitely some attempt to have a child, uh, according to the hospital. Um, and then they talk about his psych history, uh, you know, talks about just quite a bit of information. There's a lot of detailed information. So the investigation's kind of moving forward, even though, uh, you know, the uh, Damien Eccles didn't want to talk. Uh, so then there's this uh, guy, Daniel Keith Baxter, who comes in, that he had heard that Jason Baldwin and Murray Ferris killed these boys. Denying first-hand knowledge, um, there were other people that came to uh, attention of the police. One, this guy Murray Ferris, uh, you know, these people. He, they brought the police brought Ferris in. He passed a polygraph. His alibi for the night of the murders checked out, so he actually had a, a real alibi, which the West Memphis Three ended up not having. Uh, and so then they talked to this girl, Laura Maxwell. She was uh, May eighteenth, 1993. He talks about, um, Damien said he was a knight in his past life and killed all these people and written wrote some books on witchcraft. So he told this girl, Laura Maxwell, that he liked to get raw steak meat and suck the blood out. And he told she reto- retold the story about Jason Baldwin busting his nose with blood all over the ground. And Damien got down on the ground and started licking the blood up. And... He would said that while well, he was just out walking around, he got thirsty, and we'd just like to take a baseball bat and knock somebody out and take a bite out of their neck and drink their blood. She said she wasn't sure if he ever did less. And at one time, she, Laura Maxwell said, Damien told friend was going to kill him. It all planned out what was going to happen. Um, so there's a lot of strange, strange stuff Eccles told this girl. She said he used to always talk about how much he hated little kids and used to always say this saying about cutting all your fingers and toes off one by one. Uh, so uh, and then he threatened he told this girl she broke up with him he went to her house and kept saying he was going to kill her if he didn't go back out with him and uh, you know pretty pretty telling stuff here um, on may 20th the tap of the Hollingworth comes in and she tells about seeing um, Damien muddy you know and this is just another uh, member of the Holling- Hollingsworth clan and then the police ask her, "Do they ever act, or ever act real strange or do anything out of the ordinary?" And she responds, "They act strange all the time, and all the time. Have you ever known of anything that? Have you ever seen them together? You ever seen camp out on this ditch here?" And her response is, "Yeah, they go back there to the river all the time." So she she places uh, Eccles and Baldwin right there at the uh, scene of the crime. Just wanted to take a midway break, just to let uh, the audience know that I have tons of West Memphis Three videos at my youtube site occult investigations So, if you look that up you can see just a wide variety of videos i've made about west memphis three their celebrity friends some analysis of the videos that are out there and i think you'll find it very interesting and actually augment your understanding of the case also while you're there please subscribe i'm trying to hit 10k uh... subscribers it's going to take me a while but if i can i can go to the youtube space here in la which i'd really like to do so get a chance, go to Occult Investigations on YouTube and subscribe and look at the videos. Also, all my books are available online at occultinvestigations.com. If you want to buy Abomination, you can get a signed copy right from me. Uh, it's also available on Amazon as well as Profit of Evil. So, I also have quite a few posts on Facebook. A lot of old posts that keep coming up that uh, are salient to the case and kind of the follow-up after the release of the West Memphis Three, so if you get a chance, go to my Facebook page under William Ramsey, and uh, I've got a lot of information there as well. Thanks. Now back to the book. Okay, back to the uh, story. We're roughly around May 20th, about two weeks after the murders, that uh, somebody came to the police. Her name was Dixie Hufford. She told police that she was at the laundromat near the crimes and said, two boys and a girl came in, about 10 to 10.30 p.m. on Wednesday, May 5th, to clean up. They had mud and blood on their clothes. Uh, Another statement to police was by Joni Brown that she had heard from somebody, a guy by the name of Robert Birch, that Damien Eckholt had murdered them three boys, and they were going to murder two more kids before they turned themselves into police. And then somebody else, Jennifer Ashley, told Joni Brown. And then somebody told her to stay away from those guys. So there's all these rumors and information that are going around to uh through west memphis then anthony hollingsworth tells police he saw damien and and dominey on the service road again and uh you know basically there's tons of people who saw him near the scene of the crime a guy william winford jones said that uh, he was friends with damien and he asked damien what happened and damien told Him that he had cut him, that he had sex with him, that he molested him, and he was real, real drunk. On May 27, 1993, Chris Latrell gave a police interview. He stated that while Damien Echols was in reform school, he drank blood from a cut in a gang leader's arm so he could join the gang. He also said that Damien likes to put sharpened sticks through frogs to see how long it takes them to die. Once, Damien burned down his father's garage, and after the roof collapsed, stood in the flames and chanted, he also told Murray that he once poured gasoline over his own foot and set it on fire. Littrell also heard that Damien plans to marry Domini after the baby is born so he can get a bigger government check. He no longer plans to kill the baby. And he also, Littrell also heard from Murray Ferris and Frankie Knight that another person, Frankie Wren, assisted in the murder of the three boys. In the next chapter of the book, I include a bunch of information about Damien Eccles. His entire psych history was compiled by his defense team during his the penalty phase of his trial as he was on uh, basically capital murder charges. So he was going to be put to death and his team compiled his psych history. It's commonly referred to as Exhibit 500 <clears throat> because there's 500 pages in the psych history and it has a bunch of his writing and his experiences and letters and things like that. One of his poems, he says, The only problem is that it lasts only a minute, and once it stops, you're not even sure you heard it in the first place. Face it, it's my destiny to be flipped, ripped, copied, and at times completely overlooked. I'm flat and without life. But uh, Damien Echols was born Michael Hutchison. Uh, He was born to uh, his parents who uh, you know, were kind of moved around all the time. And... He in 1992, he and his girlfriend Deanna were found by police in West Memphis hiding in the closet of an abandoned trailer in Lakewood Trailer Park. Uh, during the arrest, Eccles, Eccles threatened to kill the police officer and Deanna Holcomb's father. <clears throat> Eccles was charged with burglary, breaking and entering, disorderly conduct, sexual misconduct, and terroristic threatening. Deputy Prosecutor John Fogelman filed, filed charges for the state of Arkansas. John Fogelman would go on to be involved in the prosecution of prosecution of Eccles and. Baldwin. It was after that time that Eccles <throat> went for a stay at the Craighead County Juvenile Detention Center in Jonesboro, May 26, 1992. So Eccles was in jail. Uh, in the Exhibit 500, some of the first entries are from May seventh, 1992, about one year to the date before the murders of the three boys on May fifth, 1993. But uh, some of the inputs, these caseworkers and psychiatrists and doctors left a tons of records and they're readily available and they read they expose so much information Uh, talks about Eccles having low regard for his father and he he thinks he's smarter than everybody else and he tells, tells people that he also reportedly has little regard for others and stated he feels people have no true feeling for each other their main purpose is to use and bring harm to others around them and there's a report here that Uh, Damien used to try to fight with his mother. And uh, there's talk about the skull And back at uh, the mental health center on June 1st, 1992. There are also major concerns that this young man was exhibiting disturbed thinking. He has a history of extreme physical aggression towards others. And then the the hospital then wrote uh, the rationale for emergency admission on June 1st, 1992. Fire-setting behavior by history. Potential danger to property. Excessive irritability and anger that is potentially dangerous and persistent, involvement in bizarre and unusual behavior. Uh, so, then they took a personality inventory, and characterized Eccles as imp- having impulsive hostility, an apprehensive mistrust of others, and an edgy defensiveness against criticism, fearing that others will dominate and possibly brutalize him. He puts forward a socially blunt and aggressive public posture. He fantasizes being an all being all powerful so as to block others from possessing the means to be belittling and harmful. He believes that only alert vigilance and vigorous counteraction can prevent the malice of others. The Desire to gain power and demean others springs from an animosity and a wish to vindicate past grievances. Although frequently unsuccessful in these aims, this teenager believes that past degradations may be undone by provoking fear and intimidation in others. Uh, Then he was given an uh, anti-psychosocial assessment. And... Uh, social worker Tina Deaton compiled this this information, stating, Eccles says, I have no feelings about suicide. I know I can be reincarnated. I'm not afraid. Yeah, He said, I burn myself with lighters. I have huff, gas, and paint. Uh, he says that he is, Damien Eccles says, he's a practicing warlock. And he shows to the social worker spots on both forearms where he used the cigarette lighter to burn marks into his forearms. He says, uh, He oftentimes scared his sister by making reference to spells and witchcraft practices. Damien Eccles indicated that he has a blood brother. When questioned further about having a blood brother, Damien states that he and a male have exchanged blood and that his girlfriend is an individual with whom he has a strong bond. Damien appears to have achieved a high level of functioning. He is well-read and has a good working knowledge of many different practices and beliefs. He stated that he enjoys reading, enjoys practicing witchcraft, and likes to be with his girlfriend. Uh... They also said Eccles was hallucinating. The, report, the reporter from the hospital says, The patient appeared to be sniffing the air around him as if he were responding to an external stimulus. When he was questioned as to what he was doing, the patient gave an inappropriate smile and was unwilling to discuss what he was doing. Upon several occasions, the patient also cut his eyes in one direction or other as if he were hearing or thinking of something before he spoke. Again, it did appear to this social worker as though the client was responding to an external stimulus. When asked what he was doing, the patient gave an inappropriate smile and was unwilling to discuss what he was doing. Also of interest was the patient's unabashed discussion of sexual activity. The patient did not seem to be intimidated, embarrassed, or shy to discuss what he had been sexually active, and that many of the witchcraft practices, including the patient being with other individuals in various stages of undress. On June 8, 1992... Dr. Lewis F. Bracey drafted a psychological report on Eccles. Based on his findings, he believed a schizoid, a schizoid orientation is suggested, with feelings of emptiness and depressed outlook on life. He appears somewhat frightened, intimidated, and sees the world as a threatening place. He answered in a positive direction some of the following statements. Someone has it in for me. Evil spirits possess me at times. I have had strange and peculiar thoughts. Responses such as these may suggest the possibility of a thought disorder in this individual. Um, physicians and caseworkers during Eccles' June 1992 institutionalization at Charter Hospital described him as very depressed, with sullen demeanor, self-imposed isolation, and flat, monotone, glassy look. Uh, he con- Eccles confirmed his suicidal ideation, saying that he thought several times about wrapping the sheet from his bed around his neck and trying to hang himself. Um, while he was interned in the mental hospital, Eccles wrote in a journal, wrote, I'm writing in my journal today. I don't really have anything to say. I'm just writing to take up space. I just really hate people. They'll think the earth rotates around them. They all just have overinflated egos. They need to just shut the hell up and die a slow, horrible, painful death. In June 12th, caseworker Tina Eden described a conversation with Damien's mother. The mother was most concerned about son not learning to deal with anger and rages. The mother mentioned her belief that the son may be responding to outside stimulation. She voiced fear that son may be crazy. So that's in June of 1992. The report continues on June 21st from Charter Hospital. Concerned staff at the detention center report Damien and his girlfriend were going to have a baby and then sacrifice the child. Damien denied this type of behavior. There was also a question about his involvement with Satanism. Damien, however, indicated that he was not involved with Satanism, but witchcraft. Supposedly, Damien chased a younger child with an axe and attempted to set a house on fire. He denied this behavior. Damien admits to a history of violence. He said prior to admission, he did attempt to enucleate a peer's eye at school. He was suspended subsequently from school. He was suspended on seven different occasions during the school year. He related that he was suspended on one occasion because he set a fire in his science classroom and would walk off off and on campus on several occasions. He was disruptive to the school environment. He was also disrespectful to teachers. He has been accused of terroristic threatening. Staff was quite concerned as they noticed that he was meditating in his room in a bizarre and unusual fashion. He also drew numerous pictures of witchcraft-type symbols. He also wrote some very unusual poems. On June 25, 1992, he was discharged from the psychiatric unit with a prescription for imipramine, a medication that would help his manic depression. Still on probation, he was given permission to live with his father in Oregon. Later on that year, a social worker had an intake summary and noted that, uh, and, and reported the same thing in Oregon that people had heard in Arkansas, that Damien and his girlfriend were planning to have a child so that they could offer it as a sacrifice to Satan. The social worker added in Oregon, Damien denies any involvement in the Satanic cult or beliefs in Satanism. He expressed considerable displeasure with Mr. Driver in making such assertions. And the reports that the Oregon Social Workers Report also reports that drivers assertion that the authorities in Arkansas suspect that Damien's parents are involved in this satanic belief system. On September 1st, 1992, at St. Vincent's Hospital and Medical Center in Portland, Oregon, Damien was sent for observation. The Social Work Note reports, 17-year-old male bought to ER by mother and natural father because patient has been increasingly depressed and has been making statements daily that he was going to kill himself or others. Mom states Damien is on probation for terroristic threatening and breaking and entering. Dad says that Damien has been sniffing gasoline and that at dinner table tonight he talks about drinking a bottle of bleach and that would be over soon. Patient told sister that he would be killing himself in the next three days patient has made threats to kill himself by hanging with bedsheet or tying socks together and told grandmother today that he would cut his mother's th- mother's throat so that's september 1st 1992 and dr milan sosnovach medical radical report september 2nd he apparently has had thoughts of of harming himself to his by his report to his family members even though he denies that He has talked about drinking lye or some type of bleach that would kill himself he has also apparently told his sister that he won't be around much longer the parents are concerned that he's also into Satanism or devil worship. He apparently has a number of items that relates to this. The patient denies suicidal or homicidal ideation at this time. However, in talking with family members, they state he made it quite clear that he had thoughts of harming other people, i.e. was going to cut the throat of his mother and has said so in the past, and also apparently made some verbal threats to his father here at St. Vincent Hospital. Mother and father state that he apparently has sniffed propane, glue, gasoline, and almost any other drug that is possible. But he denies that, especially over the last four months. Uh, what he screamed at his father at the hospital was, I'll eat you alive. Uh, granted a self-administered test by the hospital, Damien Eccles wrote that both parents were stupid and never disciplined him. A handwritten note in the Physician's Progress Report on September 2nd also reported, Parents visited an alcohol at noon. He stated visit did not go well. He was tearful when not discuss visit other than to say, I no longer have parents. Other staff er overheard him begging them to take him home. They refused. So his parents refused to take him out of the psych hospital on December of 1992. Uh, Another medical record report. There has been considerable conflict between him and his parents through the years regarding his behavior in which he has threatened to harm himself in the context of a host of legal difficulties for which he is accountable to a parole officer in Arkansas. He ready to, readily admits to charges of breaking and entering and inappropriate sexual conduct toward others. So this is an admission. He admits to to, char- to charges of breaking and entering and inappropriate sexual conduct before the murders in September. And it's important. So he has a, already has a record uh, before the murders take place. In a social service assessment, September fourth, nineteen 1992, his mother stated she had difficulty with Damien since he was 10 years old. He always tended to be an angry child and somewhat difficult to manage, particularly through his adolescent years. She is convinced he is into activities such as witchcraft and is very concerned about the quality of friends he had developed while living in Arkansas. For this reason, she felt coming to Oregon would be a new beginning for him. Because of the circumstances that precipitated the hospitalization and Damien's threats, particularly towards his father and, of course, his mother, both parents do not feel that they wish to have him return to their home. So his parents didn't want him back. They are frightened of him and what he can do, not only to them, but to other children that reside in the home. <clears throat> so, uh, there's the admits to a history of self-mutilation, cutting himself with knives and razors. Reports uh, in that Damien sleeps most of the day, then goes to his girlfriend's house. His girlfriend said he would trance out when by himself, and had done that since the fifth grade. It feels good, he told the clinical social worker Sherry Dawkins. He thinks that, he added that he thinks about life after death. Deckel said, I want to go where the monsters go. He admitted to them that he was caught with satanic items and that he, the authorities think of him as a satanic leader. Uh, he repeated to his, uh, the initial assessment, he repeated that he was interested in witchcraft for eight years. So that means he started very young, stating he has tried to steal someone else's energy and influence their minds with witchcraft, which is an interesting statement. He's trying to influence people's minds with witchcraft. Explains quite a bit. He pretty much hates the human race and felt that people were of two classes, wolves and sheep. Wolves eat the sheep. Uh, Fogelman would re- restate that phrase in the, uh, at the summation of his trial. Miss Dawkins related that Eccles wore all black and a silver cross and maintained intense eye contact throughout the interview. <clears throat> his own father said he volunteered that he barely knew his own son. His mother told authorities she didn't want him around. Uh, he was released on September 4th. The final entry in the Physician's Progress Report stated, Because of the circumstances that precipitated the hospitalization and Damien's threats, particularly towards his father and, of course, his mother, both parents do not feel they wish to have him return to their home. They are frightened of him and what he can do, not only to them, to the others inside their home. Damien does not want to remain in Oregon. He wishes to return to Arkansas. He did return to Arkansas. Um, and his parole officer, Jerry Driver, uh, heard that he was notified that he was headed back to West Memphis. So it shows a history uh, prior to the murders. Jerry Driver knew that Damien Eccles was in Oregon, he knew he was headed back. Um, Upon his arrival, Eccles was arrested and taken into custody, and again he was sent back to the Juvenile Detention Center in Jonesboro. Shortly after his arrival in the facility, another young man in the common room scraped his arm, which started bleeding. Damien grabbed the boy's arm and began to suck the warm blood. Director of the Craighead County Juvenile Detention Center filed a report about the incident. Approximately three hours after Damien arrived, he was sitting in rec area with several other residents. One of the boys had scraped his arm a little, and it was bleeding some. Without warning, Damien grabbed the arm that was bleeding and began to suck the blood from it. The boys all stated he had been saying that he had not taken his medication the night before and he was about to go off on them. Damien was asked why he did this. He stated, I don't know. He also told staff he had threatened to kill his father and eat him. For the safety and well-being of other residents, Damien asked to go to his room. He's been kept there until he was picked up for court. He hasn't been a problem since, just some very strange actions at times. It is our opinion that Damien needs mental health treatment. Uh, he was given another psychological assessment on December 10, 1992. Presently in detention in Jonesboro, picked up for violation of probation, threatened to slit parents' throat and eat them alive, transferred to Crittenden. One of the kids at the detention center caught his wrist, Damon grabbed his arm, began to suck the blood, smeared it all over his body, and said he's a devil-worshipping vampire. Says he's not a vampire but a witch. He is in isolation and suicide watch. Uh, so then he was sent to the Charter Hospital, September 14th. Uh, his case file diagnosed him as psychotic repeatedly in his initial assessment. Chief complaint: They say I suck blood. History of present illness: Reportedly, Damien and his girlfriend were going to have a boy and sacrifice their baby. Damien relates he's a witch. While at the de- detention center, he reportedly grabbed a peer and began sucking blood from the peer's neck. According to Damien, he relates that the peer was a, the peer. He relates the peer was aware he was going to do this. Staff reports that Damien was not remorseful for his behavior. Damien indicated he sucked blood to get into a gang. He denies that it was any type of ritual. The other peers were afraid of him. Damien denies he rubbed the blood all over his face. Their report relates, He exhibits extremely poor judgment and has absolutely no insight into his illness. Provisional diagnoses. Psychotic disorder not otherwise specified. On September 15, 1992, psychological evaluation stated, He did not extend to harm himself or others at the time of the exam. He did admit to sucking blood out of the peer's neck. He related the peer had hurt his neck and subsequently sucked the blood. So his psychosocial assessment from Dr. Gallion relates that. Damien told him he believes he's a white witch who practices witchcraft and not worship the devil. Damien's behaviors have become frightening to some of the community members in the Jonesboro area. And then... um, then the, so another social worker talks about his uh, relationship when he got picked up by the cops uh, original says, When police picked up both Damien and the girlfriend, Damien made threats to kill the police officers and had confessed to devil-worshipping behaviors and activities. Damien had been suspected of involvement in these behaviors before their runaway arrests. The family chose to move to Oregon to avoid the harassment that would have followed them back into the community. On one occasion, Damien made a plan to slash my parents' throats and eat them alive. The precipitating event contributing to hospitalization is Damien is reported to have witnessed an individual slasher's wrist. Damien was reportedly observed knocking the young man to the ground and observed sucking the wrist of the young man and spraying blood over his body. Damien at the time stated he was a white witch who worshipped the devil. Major symptoms at the time of this admission do include a pattern of bizarre and unusual thought processes, including including Damien's belief that he is a vampire and that he does worship the devil. Damien has made, thus the uh, the title of the book. Damien has made several statements indicating that he has a desire to harm others. Primary targets of his aggression do include authority figures. Damien Eccles was able to answer all the questions that were posed to him in an intelligent and factual manner. He seemed to withhold no information, readily answered questions concerning his religious beliefs and the fact that he believes he is a vampire and does worship the devil. It was a social worker's opinion that Damien was not disclosing information for purposes of shock that he was simply simply disclosing what he currently is believing. Damien did appear to be oriented. 2 person, place, and time, who's not evidencing any psychotic symptomatology at the time of the interview was being completed. However, his bizarre behavior, however, his behaviors could be described as odd and bizarre. Damien smiled at inappropriate times. He cut his eyes back and forth as if he was responding to external external stimulation. He seemed to be giggling at something that he was saying or a private joke that was unknown to the social worker. And that's pretty common, actually. This is uh, something that that. Uh, was was fairly common. People saw that in both hospitals. Uh, workers at the mental institution made notes of his strange behavior. Strange behavior. An educational therapist reported that Damien glorified cult behaviors with peers, probably for attention and shock factor, and would frequently make growling noises to scare other students and to get their attention. A treatment a treatment note dated nine seventeen ninety two noted. Unusual behavior centered around his occult involvement, using his experiences to arouse arouse interest in Peers, could be danger to others. A nurse reported the same day, continuing to make bizarre sounds around Peers, continuous talk of Satanism to Peers. The next day, a nurse wrote, continues laughing strangely and getting Peers to feed into his Satanism. According to his discharge summary, he did not demonstrate bizarre and unusual behavior with exception on one occasion. He did bite a male peer. However, this was in a fight-type manner. Um, so then he had an educational assessment, wrote, Strengths appear to be academic ability that is above grade level, a willingness to work hard, a good sense of humor, and compliance with authority figures. Apparent weaknesses are physical aggression, threats to harm others, cold involvement, and poor judgment. that was by the educational therapist. So it's just really a voluminous record, uh, You know, people that he wanted, he wrote, people that he wanted to meet was Anton LaVey and Stephen King. He admitted that he slept all the time. Uh, On January 13th, 1993, social worker Dawkins made the individual progress report, or progress note He emphasized that he is much older than chronological age. Damien reports one of his biggest problems that he would like to work on is being able to forgive others. When questioned about this, he reports he is very angry with family members and other people that have let him down. He wants to be normal, but feels he had never been normal. He discussed issues of power and control. He states that he could make things happen. He believes very much in magic. Damien stated, I don't believe in anything until it's proven. Demonstrated a technique with him that there was a way out of control without black magic. Damien's effect and mood was flat. He did not smile during the session. Uh, <clears throat> at the individual progress note was January 19, 1993, with uh, Siri Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins wrote, wrote in her handwritten notes that Damien relates he is trying to find a way to live on his own. He does not get along with the stepfather. Reveals a history of abuse as he talked of how he was treated as a child. Denies that this has influenced him, stating, I just put it all inside. Describes this as more than just anger, like rage. Sometimes he does blow up. Relates that when this happens, the only solution is to hurt someone. Damien reports being told at the hospital that he could be another Charles Manson or Ted Bundy. When questioned about on his feelings, he states, "I know I'm going to influence the world. People will remember me." So, very telling stuff. Uh, the prosecutor Fogelman, actually repeated. The Charles Manson or Ten Bundy statement in the, his summation in the uh, court trial. So, you know these were uh, all kind of important statements that were referenced. And then on January twentieth, another individual progress note by Dr. David Irby referencing Eccles. He's had three psychological hospitalizations. Each has been associated with anger, thoughts of killing others, and thoughts of killing himself. He's had a traumatic upbringing. This is well documented in the intake sheet. Um, so it's, it's uh, pretty pretty obvious. And another progress report. So you know, this is just another example of how voluminous the Exhibit 500 is. Tons of information. Facts about today's session is spent talking with Damien about his feelings of death. He brought with him a session, a poem that he had written during the past week. The theme of this poem centered about death and power. Damien explained that he obtains his power by drinking blood of others. He typically drinks the blood of a sexual partner or of a ruling partner. This is achieved by biting or cutting. He stated, it makes me feel like a god. Damien describes drinking blood as giving him more power and strength. He remembers doing this as far back as age 10. Strange. He does not remember where he learned to do this. Damien believes there is no god. He feels that society believes there is a god because society is weak. He very much wants to be all-powerful. He very much wants to be in total control. We discussed how some of this is related to his experiences as a child. He acknowledges that some of this is related to his childhood abuse trauma issues, but he feels that it, it is who he is now. Damon relates that his spirit is now living with him. The spirit was put inside him last year. He indicates that a month ago, the spirit decided to become part of him and he to become part of the spirit. This is reportedly a spirit of a woman who was killed by her husband. When questioned about how he feels with the spirit, or what the difference is, Damien is able to relate. He feels stronger and more powerful with the spirit. He's not seen the spirit, but does hear the spirit. In addition, he also reports conversations with demons and other spirits. This is achieved through rituals. He denies that he is satanic, seeing himself more as being involved in demonology. So, it just goes on and on. Uh, But... uh, that 's really about one hundred pages of the book there's tons more information. I discussed the trial I discussed the uh, more statements by other people in the in- in community there's just tons of police reports It goes into detail about everything talks about the full moon interviews Jerry driver uh, then i I kind of cover a little bit of crowley i cover I just wanted to show the trail from Crowley to Gerald Gardner to um Raymond Buckland, the Buckland's complete book of witchcraft I cover as well. I talk about Theban Alphabet, cord magic, talismanic magic. Um I do believe cord, cord magic was involved in the um in the de- in the death of the boys. <coughs> I talk about the Salem witch trials because they're always a reference. And uh talk about Ricky Casso, the Acid King, <coughs> the satanic Murders of murders of San Luis Obispo. Teenage Russian Satanist, the Vampire Clan I mentioned earlier. Um, there was uh, the Hardy Boys who kill for Satan. And cause celebrity killers, people whose celebrities really admired and uh, allowed to get out of jail and cause more trouble. And uh, one was Jack Abbott, another Jack Underwager, And I also include Mumia Abu Jamal, who seems to be a darling of Hollywood celebrities, but... Uh, the case against him is damning. I also discussed you know, pro and con, basically who believes what. I I, I talk a lot about the, uh, just some new stuff, stuff that Eccles has posted on his Twitter page, The Reality of Satanic Crimes. I talk about how John Douglas bungled the case. Um, but uh, the book has tons of information. It's 441 pages long. Um, and just in summation, you can get Abomination at occultinvestigations.com. You can get it at... Uh, Amazon.com and uh, it's in. you can get it in uh, Kindle as well. All my books are there. I also have, like I stated earlier, I have tons of videos about the West Memphis Three on my YouTube page at Occult Investigations. I highly recommend people go and watch them. I think they're very informative and will give you a much better insight into the case than the, the lousy Paradise Lost trilogy, which in my opinion was driven by Commercial concerns more than actually telling the truth. And uh, so that's basically it. Abomination. I only covered 100 pages. There's 300 pages of information to go in that. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Next week I'll be covering Children of the Beast. My most latest book, Children of the Beast. Alistair Crowley's Shadow of Humanity and all the information in that. Thank you. Signing off from Awake Radio, William Ramsey. William Ramsey investigates. Have a good night.